Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. This is episode 32. My name is Andrew Wynn, and I will be your host. Typically, I am I, I am hosting with our pastor, Mike Freeman, but this week is a little different. You know, if you are living on the planet Earth this week, you may have noticed that uh, things are... Things are a little crazy. Uh, man, if you've been not paying attention, we are living in a modern pandemic. We are living with the spread of the coronavirus, COVID-19. Now, that means a lot of different things, but for us here in the Pacific Northwest, for those of us who are living in Washington State, we know that it's been just over a week since our governor declared a state of emergency but at the same on that same day actually our president declared nationally that we are in a state of emergency so a lot of things have gone down since that day uh meetings of i think it was like over 50 were were asked to not meet anymore but actually that was a friday and within that same weekend it was increased to Meetings of people no more than 10 should not come together. So that has meant a lot of things for us as a church. Uh, I'm so thankful for our elders who, you know, have taken the proactive choice to, to make sure that we are protecting our people, to protect our people from unnecessary risk to this, this viral virus, this, this disease, this, this illness, so with that, um, things have been a little hard for us. Mike and I have not seen each other as often. I have been working from home a lot more, and I'll be going into the offices when no one else is around. And Mike has been busy. I've been busy. Man, it's been it's been just a crazy week. And you know what? Now that I am recording this, I am realizing that it's just been the first week. That same day when our governor our governor announced that it was going to be that we were in a state of emergency, he announced that schools were going to close for six weeks. That has had just amazing ramifications for for everyone, and it's been crazy. And now now that I think about it, it's only been week one, and man, things are are crazy. So you know what? If you are a member of Valley Christian Fellowship, man, I would appreciate your prayers. Just as leaders, we're trying to navigate our best as to what's going around. But you know what? A lot of great things are happening as well. You know, I I know there's a lot of opinions as to whether or not we as a culture are overreacting to what was originally reported as something akin to the flu. Now we're starting to see that it's, it's, it's worse than that. But, you know, there's, there are a lot of opinions going back and forth as to whether or not this is the correct response to it. But, you know, how the government and how our communities have responded have have created needs and as christians we have had the opportunity to rise up and to meet those needs you know if you haven't heard it wasn't too long ago it was actually just during the week that one of our local retirement homes they were out of toilet paper because people have been hoarding toilet paper and it's an entire community that was without. And as a church, we were able to rise up and to collect toilet paper and to give those who had need. I'm also working alongside, or I'm working with some some 
newborn babies, mothers of newborn babies who, because toilet paper is not readily available, people are buying baby wipes. So the people like these mothers who have babies who need to be taken care of, they, they, when they have a need for baby wipes, they haven't been able to go to the store and find some. And as a church, we have come together to find these supplies and bring them to the people who need them. I'm also excited to see that we are taking care of our own. We know that there are people within our church who would be dramatically impacted by this virus, who, according to the reports, are within the mortality range. I know, actually, as of right now, uh, the mortality rate has increased to 10%, but it was originally reported that people over the age of 60 were at the most risk, people who were over 60 and people who had immune-compromised uh or compromised immune systems, or just other pre-existing conditions. I have loved seeing our church come together and to protect one another and volunteering to step up and to go shopping and to bring groceries and other supplies to the people who, who need them. It has been such an amazing experience to be one of the leaders here of this church and to see our church be the church. You know, in situations like this, you can either bring the worst out of us or it can bring the best out of us. So I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to know that God is at work in and through this. We know as Christians that we live in a broken world, that things like this are going to happen as we have grown in faith and grown in our relationship with the Lord. We can navigate this storm and we are called to gather and to be the church together and to look out for one another and to care but on with the show this this week is a little different so mike and i are not able to meet and we originally were going to finish the book who am i identity in christ but we're not able to do that this week and you know what i thought it would be beneficial for us to to just talk about what is happening within our culture For the last two weeks as a church, we have been live streaming all of our services on Facebook. And, you know, for those who haven't had the opportunity to know, Mike has done a two-week series on just how to respond to the COVID epidemic or pandemic. So what I would like to do now is uh, I'm going to turn it over to that sermon. So if you have not had a chance to, to listen to the sermon... I, I would encourage you just to go ahead and just listen and let let the word of God permeate your being. Now, before I turn it over to Mike and, and the message, I will say a few things. Continue to be the church. Continue to be the people that God has called us to be. And let's continue to connect. It's going to be really easy to get preoccupied with just survival or the inconveniences of these times. But remember, God is still on his throne and God is still calling us closer to him. So connect with him, maintain your relationship with him and maintain your relationship with the rest of the body. Take a moment to just reach out to those who are in your Bible studies, in your life groups, in your church. Just say hi, check in on them and love one another. And you know what? As a church, we have started something new. We have a phone dedicated to receiving text messages from anyone. So if you have a prayer request or a concern or a question about what's going on at the church, I want to give you this phone number that you can text. 
this phone travels between our connections team uh, for the last couple of weeks. I'm I'm the one behind it. So at the moment, or whenever you're, I guess if you're listening to this within the week of me dropping this online, you should be able to talk to me. So if you want the phone number, here it is. The number is 360-261-2734. I'll go ahead and read that again. It is 360-261-2734. Again, if you need anything, if you just want to connect, if you want to talk, if you have a question, a prayer request, you know, we would just want to know that you're doing well. So feel free to text that that phone, that number, and we would we'll connect with you. And as I turn this over to Mike, I just want you to know, Valley, you are loved and you are cared for. And we're gonna get this get through this together. Alright, until next week, uh, I'm Andrew, and here is Mike. I love that gospel truth. I love to remember it over and over again that his mercy is it's more than all of our sin. Now today as we begin, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 3. And so I'm going to start by, by simply reading the entire psalm. Listen along as we read from God's word once again. A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek and break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing on your people. Selah. Now, let me start by uh, doing things maybe a tad different, and just by giving us a little bit of context for why David writes this psalm. At this point in David's life, he has, he is, uh, he's been crowned king not just anointed king, but, but now the previous king, Saul, is gone. David is reigning. He is reigning rather successfully, but, but he is also uh, facing some, some difficulties. One of God's, uh, I guess, judgments upon him is the rebellion of his son, Absalom. And his son, for months, has been, he's been greeting people at the gates of the city. He's been, he's been endearing himself to the hearts of the people and, and the leaders. And, and little by little, he's been gaining favor until finally he makes his move. When he makes his move, he basically, he seizes power from his father. He, he grabs the, the throne, he grabs the crown, he grabs the palace. He, he makes himself king. And David... Uh, David flees. We, we talk about going from, from rags to riches. David literally goes from riches to rags. David goes from the comfort of the palace and every luxury he can t- touch to the, the wilderness, to the hills, being chased like an animal. 
by troops sent from his son. They're intent on his death. This is a psalm of David as he is camped out on the hills far from home and fear is beginning to come upon him. The placement of Psalm 3 is very insightful actually. If you were just to open up and read Psalm 1 followed by Psalm 2, you'd find Psalm 1 is really a psalm that, that tries to root our commitment to God and His Word. It's a psalm that reminds us of, of the blessed life is the life that lives in right relationship with God. And then Psalm 2 is, is a psalm that is all about God's King and God's kingdom. It actually is about David initially, but it, it's, it's telescoped to ultimately the kingdom of Christ on the throne. And so you have Psalm 1, focus on God's word. And then you have Psalm 2, focus on God's kingdom. And then here is what is almost guaranteed to happen to the person who does those two things. Trouble comes knocking. If you are the person who, who's desiring to build their life on God's word... If you're the person who's desiring to live within God's kingdom and honor God and King Jesus, uh, you can almost guarantee Psalm 3 is right around the corner. Trouble is coming. Fear and fearful situations are just around the corner. And I see what we're going to see in in Psalm 3 is, is that when that happens, we trust in God. Let me just say it plainly. We trust in God when fear attacks. Now, I think this is just, this is such a timely truth for us, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're in a, literally a pandemic. The, the coronavirus is spreading. At least here in Washington, the schools have been closed down for six weeks. Large gatherings have been asked to stop. In fact, Valley, we, we are chosen not to gather, not so much out of fear, but because we're, we're hoping that if we, if we comply with the request of the government, we'll, we'll contribute to the, the, the actual not spreading of the virus. We'll be part of the solution, but, but you, you just have to go and look in a, a grocery store and what, what's the item? The to- toilet paper has been flying off of the shelves. There's stories of people fighting over the basic supplies. What, what is gripping us? Fear. Fear is gripping us. How about you? How are you handling this, this, uh, this pandemic? And more than that, how are you handling the fear that accompanies it? Are you, are, are you trusting in God? Are you turning your attention to the sovereign God who has provided for everything you've needed up to this point, who will be faithful uh, for the rest of your life just like he's been faithful for all of it up to this point? Or, or is your heart being gripped in fear? Tur- turn back with me to Psalm 3. As we, as we walk through it, I want us to begin in these first two verses as we see we face enemies who want to scare us. David faced, it, faced enemies who wanted to scare him. I guarantee every believer up to this point has faced enemies. And you and I today, we, we face all sorts of different kinds of enemies, including sickness. Verses 1 and 2. O oh Lord, how many are my foes! 
Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. I just want you to begin by noticing how often that word many is used. The word many is used three times in two verses. For, for David, it was many soldiers. You can almost picture him out on the, the hills, camped out with his soldiers. And you can just picture an, an army crawling on distant hills looking for him. Many are these soldiers that are rising against me. But, but for us, we have a myriad of enemies that rise up against us. I mean, we have people who we might call our enemies, who might be out to do evil to us. We, we have situations that we feel like our enemies trying to drag us down. Relationships, finances. Some of us have enemies that we would equate to spiritual enemies. We have temptation that waits for us and traps us from time to time. I think all of us would say that we have health as a potential enemy. Especially right now with this, this virus and we, we're, we're gripped with the fear of this enemy that has taken lives that, that might, might continue to take lives. This is a, the reality of these enemies that, that want to distract us from God, that want to take our focus away from God, that want to have our hearts gripped in fear instead of looking to God. And listen to what they say. He says, many are saying of my soul that there is no salvation for him in God. They, they, these enemies, they attack the soul. These enemies, they, they question God. These enemies, you see their tactic is, it's fear. There's no salvation. There's no hope for you. It reminds me of, uh, of David when he, is, when he is running away from his son Absalom. 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 5-8. through 8, It gives a picture of one of these enemies and how, how much poison and how much venom they spew from their mouth as they attack David. It says in the text, it says, When King David came to Baruam, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei the son of Gera, and as he came, he cursed continually. He threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were at his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out! Get out, you man of blood, you worthless man! The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son, Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Listen to these attacks. He, he attacks David's identity. He says, he says you're not God's child. You're a man of blood. He says, you have no value. You are worthless. He, he attacks David's identity. He, he calls down judgment upon David. He, he basically says, God's given up on you. you. You should be afraid, David, because you are worthless and God has given up on you. 
I wonder how many of us have felt that way before. I wonder how many of us in, in sickness and in, in, in difficult, painful situations have paused and wondered, maybe I am worthless. Maybe God has given up on me. I can't tell you the, the number of people that I have spoken with and that I have sat with those of failing health that, that have had this creeping fear crawl into the back of their mind. God doesn't care about you. And this is a, the kind of lie, the kind of attack that, that allows fear to settle upon you. Sometimes we feel this way when we have sinned. David actually, he had, he had sinned with Bathsheba. Part of this is part of the, the, the difficulty of David in not raising his, his family well. This is, this is actually, some of it actually is God disciplining David. But instead of just seeing this as discipline, this is an attack of saying, God doesn't care about you. You are now worthless. Are, are, you, are, are you prone to just sitting and watching the, the lies of the enemy just get closer and closer to your life. And, and as you watch the lies of the enemy attack you and attack God's character, do you sit there gripped by fear more and more? You, you see, David almost begins to do that here. These first two verses, he lays out the fear that he has as plain as day. Many, many, many are my enemies. Many are the things they say about me. But he does not continue to have his eyes on the source of fear. Verse 3, and through the rest of it, he turns his eyes to God. You see, we, we trust the God who Begins. This begins by, we trust the God who shields us. Look at verses 3 and 4. <laughs> I love these words. Just, just listen to these next two words. After David lays out the fear that he has, after we lay out the fear that we have, whether it's the coronavirus or any other kind of attack on our life, these two words, but you, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. Listen to these words again. But you, O Lord. I want you to notice the absolute shift and about face. I want you to notice that David literally, he turns his attention away from the, the distant hills where his enemies might be crawling toward him and he turns his attention to God on his holy hill. And he turns his attention to this God that, that he then describes. I mean, who, who is this God? It's worth it just to stop and, and, and pull out of the text the way God's identity is just, it's just described so beautifully. It says, God is my shield. He protects. This is, this is the image of a, of a shield while there are arrows just 
falling down, raining down, storming down upon him. He has this shield that protects him from all of these fears and from all of these enemies. I mean, we, we're, we're seeing all sorts of shields today in our world. We're seeing these, these face shields on people, right? Maybe you've seen some people walking around with these face shields. I saw one video of a mom with her middle school kid, and she, had, she didn't just put a face shield on him. She wrapped him in garbage bags, and she was spraying him down with Lysol. I mean, I just felt so bad for this kid. It was right outside of his school in front of all these other kids. It just was like the most embarrassing thing possible possible. But what is the mom trying to do? She's, she's shielding her child from, from the coronavirus. Well, we wear shields to protect. Some of us, it's a faith, face shield, but, but for David, he is recognizing that God is the ultimate shield. That God is the one that protects him. That there is not one single arrow that will make its way to David that God does not allow. God is our shield. And then he says that God is his glory. God is my glory. This word glory is a fascinating word. It has the idea of weight or substance. It even has the idea of wealth. This is the idea that God is enough. That God is enough. You think about all the glory that David had experienced. He had a kingdom He had a palace. He had a royal city. And yet he has lost all of his wealth and all of his glory. And it doesn't matter. Because God is his glory. Because God is enough. Having God is more valuable to David than anything else that the world could offer. God is enough. He says, but you, O Lord, is, you are my shield. You are my glory. And then he uses this term, the lifter of my head. God is the lifter of my head. This is, this is amazing. He's saying that you are the one who restores. The, the picture of our head being lifted is the, actually it's the picture of restoration. It, it, it could be equated with, with David expecting his return to, to the throne. God is the one that restores him. This is, this is a, a picture of God giving David hope even as he's out on the distant hills. And finally it says that he answered me from his holy hill he answers us. God answers. He is there for me. This is, this is God's identity. He is, he is the shield, the glory, the lifter of our head, and He is the one who is there for me. David says, you answer from your holy hill. I mean, the, the imagery is beautiful. David's on a dusty, dirty hill. David's not in his palace. And yet he cries out to God and God answers. From where? From a dusty, dirty hill? No. From the king's palace? No. From his holy hill. From the place of purity? 
from the place of glory. God is the one who answers. I mean, this is amazing. This is like, this is like me pulling out my cell phone and able to call the most powerful CEO you can imagine and saying, hey, I could use a little financial help. This is like me having a direct line to the president. This is, this, is, this is the access that David and then ultimately that you and I have to God through prayer. You see, when we remember that God is our shield, that God is our glory, that God is the one that brings us hope, and that God is the one who is there for us, it moves us to pray. It moves us to pray in the way that Paul describes in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Listen to this text. It says, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about your wealth, your finances, your relationships. Do not be anxious about your health or how long you will live. Do not be anxious even about the coronavirus. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Listen very carefully. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen to me very carefully. The world, it is freaking out. The world is gripped in fear. But but you and I, as those who know the Lord, but you, O Lord, you are my shield, my protector. You are my glory. You are enough. You are the lifter of my head, the one who brings me hope. You, (laughs) you answer me. You're there for me. When we pray, here's what happens. It says, this peace of God, this peace of God that surpasses understanding this peace of God that you and I, we cannot sit down and logically explain it to someone who does not know Jesus, but we can experience it. It will guard our hearts and minds. It will be our shield against fear. When those fearful thoughts start to creep in, when those fearful emotions start to overwhelm, when we pray in faith, God's peace shields us. It is our shield. Notice, notice it does not say that it will guard our body. I mean, let's just be really clear. It does not promise that this body is going to last forever. In fact, the scripture says differently. It says that we have a, a, the promise of a, a new body waiting for us. So these bodies that we have now, they're actually more like a, like a car that we have that, that's running okay or maybe not running so well, but we have this promise that when that car has, has run its last lap, when that car has, has finally given up the ghost, we have a brand new car, a perfect car waiting for us eternally. This is the promise we have of our heart being guarded, of our mind being guarded, but this body, it's, it, it's susceptible. So, so what do we do? We, we trust. 
We trust in the God who is our shield, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, but, but not, ne- ne- not necessarily physically. But the text continues, and it reminds us that we also we trust the God who sustains. We trust the God who shields, and we trust the God who sustains. Verses 5 and 6. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Now, now these verses, they, they are dependent upon, verse 3, but you, O Lord. Here's what David says, because of who God is as our shield, as the one who, as our shield, as our sufficiency, because of his glory, he is enough. Because of his character, David says, now I, I was able to go and sleep. He talks in the past tense here. He says, I, I slept. This is what he's, he's reminding us, that God's sustaining peace can immediately rest upon you. Now, it doesn't necessarily always happen like this. And I recognize there are a myriad of different situations that each of us will face. But listen very carefully. David wasn't quite sure where his next attack was going to come from. He was out on a distant hill, away from his palace, being hunted down by his son and his son's troop. And yet, David was able to lay down in peace and sleep. He, he was able to sleep because of his trust that God was the one who sustains. He did not have to control every moment. He did not have to stay awake and watch all night long. David slept trusting the God who sustains. David did not have to go through the house three times and Lysol everything. David did not have to wash his hands and then Purell them and then wash them and then Purell them over and over and over again until his hands were raw. Now listen, wash your hands, use sanitizer, lice all your house. I get it. But at the end of the day, David did what he could. He escaped, he got to a distant hill, and then he slept in peace. This is that peace that surpasses understanding. This is that peace that is offered to you when you trust God. He speaks in the past tense. He says, I slept and God sustained me. But then verse 6, he he shifts to the future tense and he says, I, I will not be af- afraid. He says, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. He continues, he says, God's sustaining peace can be carried into the future. He, he says these words, I will not be afraid. Maybe you should say those words right now as you think about whatever it is that is gripping your heart in fear. Now, I, some of you, you're like, coronavirus, I don't care. But others, you're, you are afraid of this. Some of you, you're afraid of how this is going to impact you financially. Some of you are afraid of just completely different issues. But you're alone in your house right now. Say these words. Say, I will not be afraid. When you trust in God, the God who sustains, you can say these words in faith. You can declare, I I will not be afraid. Whatever might come my way, I will not give in to fear. 
Let me ask you, is that true of you? Are you going to give in to fear? Are you going to, to act like this world is outside of the hand of God? Or will you, like David, say, I will not be afraid. I am going to trust in God. I am going to trust in this God who has always been faithful and promises to always be faithful. So if you're still with me, we have, we have this God who is a shield. We have this God who sustains, but finally, we, we trust the God who saves. Verses 7 and 8. David cries out, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. Here's what he does. He cries out. He unashamedly lifts his voice and, and cries to God. He says, arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. He, he prays. He prays to the God who saves. Now, now Valley, we, we are a church that, that's praying. And, and every church is always learning how to pray more and more. And if we were gathered here right now in this room, here's what we would do. We would stop in this moment and we, we would take some time individually to pray. And I believe that we can do that right now. I actually want to ask you to, to take some time right now to pray. And I, I'm going to be silent for a few moments. And, and as we do that, I'm going to walk you through four different prayer requests. And these are actually four prayer requests. They have been given to all uh, Southern Baptist churches. And all Southern Baptist churches have been asked actually to, to pray that there could be up to 47 thousand or more churches praying these prayer requests this weekend as we pray together. Let me, let me walk you through these. Here's the first one. We're going to go through all four of these and then I'm, going to, then I'm just going to take some time and pray, pray for us. And then we'll continue to work through this text. But here's the first prayer request. Will you take the next minute and will you ask God in his mercy to stop the pandemic and to save lives? Not only in our communities, but around the world, particularly in places that are unequipped medically to deal with the virus. I'll give you about a moment, a minute right now. Let's stop and let's pray.
Let me give you a, the second prayer request. The second one is, will we pray for President Donald Trump and other government leaders, international, federal, state, local? We pray for all leaders. Pray for them to have wisdom to direct us in the best courses of action for the prevention and for care for those who are dealing with this. Let's skin. Let's take another moment. Pray for every leader you can think of and pray specifically for them to have wisdom. next prayer request now. This one, uh, Scripture says, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. So, so this is the prayer request. Pray that the Lord will give us wisdom in this moment of fear as the foundations of what we know are shaken. Pray that others would realize how fragile life is and how real eternity is. That they would see their need for a Savior, for Jesus Christ, then they would turn to God in faith and in repentance. Again, let's take about a minute and let's pray. Let's pray for one more, uh, one more prayer request that is very important. It is crucial. The reality is that there are missionaries around the world, many of them serving in places that are that are of high risk. Let's take this time to pray for them, that that God would sustain and shield them from the sickness, that God would use them. 
for gospel purposes wherever they are. Ask God to protect our missionaries and their families around the globe using this global crisis to advance His good news to the whole world. Now let's take one more minute and pray and then, and then after that I'll pray and then we'll continue in our text. Father, Lord, we come before you as the the creator of this earth. Lord, you made this entire world and you made every person in it. Lord, there is nothing that happens here on earth that is outside of your sight. Lord, we believe that you are sovereign over the entire world. And we believe that you, you work providentially even in the hard, and the scary. And so, Father, we pray right now that that you would, first of all, that you would bring an assurance to every believer across the entire globe in your faithfulness. Lord, you would give us all a calmness. You, You would help us to turn away from fear and not be crushed and gripped by anxiety. Instead, Lord, allow us to see the opportunity, the great opportunity you have given us to serve those around us. Help us to love our neighbors in this time of trial. Help us to care for others and not just for ourselves. Lord, allow this to be a time where we we act like the salt and the light that you have made us to be. God, I pray specifically that there would be wise decisions made one after another over and over again. There would be wise decisions made by government officials, but there would be wise decisions made in the lives of of individuals and how they interact with others. I pray that all these wise decisions would equal this this virus being spread less and less with, with uh, a slower rate, and ultimately that it would, it would fizzle and fade away. God, I pray that even during this, that, that you would use this bad situation for the gospel to be advanced. Every time we as humans are, are faced with our, our frailty, with our vulnerability, with the reality that these bodies will not last forever, there is a great opportunity for people to turn to Christ. Father, draw hearts to trust in Christ. Help us to be those who lift Jesus up so that people would believe. Lord, I pray you would create a humility where we would be willing to follow instructions and not be rebellious and not be uh, having to cling to our rights and do things our way. 
And God, we do. We humbly ask for your healing on the lives of those affected. That you would bring healing to those that are struggling with this right now. And God, we pray that you would do all this because you are a God of sa- who saves. And we pray that you would be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we walk through this text, and even as we take this time to pray, we're, we're praying and we're turning our attention, our trust to this God who saves. See, we trust in this God who is a shield. We trust in this God who sustains. But more than any of that, David and, and we, as we learn from him, we trust in the God who saves I love how this psalm ends. David is talking about the future like it is the present, like salvation has already been accomplished. And we as believers who live on the other side of the cross of Christ, we know this is actually true. David was hoping for a salvation, but, but as believers today, we look back at a salvation that's already been given. We look back at Jesus who, who came and he lived a perfect life. Now, now, for those who are tuning in and maybe they haven't heard that before, that might not seem like a big deal, but listen, he never sinned ever. He was perfect through and through, the sinless, without blemish, Son of God. And you know what he did? After living a perfect life, he He traded that for our sinful life. He traded his perfect life and he took the punishment that we deserve for all of our sin, for all of our rebellion, from the greatest to the smallest sin. He took all of that with him and he paid the price for our sin by dying a criminal's death on the cross. And he was buried. And three days later, God brought him alive from the grave, vindicated him as the perfect sinless son of God. And here's what the scripture teaches. Anyone and everyone who believes in Jesus and his death and resurrection, his perfection is given to you and your imperfection, your sin is paid for. It is washed away and you are made whole and you are made clean. For you, believer in Christ, death has been defeated. Death has been defeated. You know, earlier we looked at Philippians chapter 4, but if you were to look at Philippians 1, the Apostle Paul says this incredible statement. He, he says this statement while he is in prison, unsure of what the future holds, unsure if execution is coming. Life is not good for him. And yet, this is what he says. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Here's what he says. He says for, for him and by extension to every believer... Listen, if you're sitting there in your living room or in your your bedroom, maybe you're sitting in your bathroom, I don't know, wherever you are right now, and you're listening to these words, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. This is true of you if you have trusted in Jesus and his death and resurrection. 
Here's what he says. To live in Christ, that means the entirety of the rest of the life he has here on earth. Every single breath that he has left, it is to live for the purposes of Christ. That means for you and for me, we live for Christ. That means we live to serve Jesus. How, how do you serve Jesus? You serve your neighbor. You care for those who live around you, those who you interact with, especially in a vulnerable time like this when everyone is full of fear. You care for them more than you care for yourself. That means you you share the gospel. You tell them that you trusted in a Savior who has given you the promise of eternal life that no sickness and no virus can threaten. That means that you and I, we have the opportunity to sacrifice our wants and our needs for a hurting world. You know, there are believers in, in places in this world right now that are infected with the coronavirus that don't have the medical care we have. And you know what they are doing? Without fear, they are sharing the gospel. Because, because to live is Christ. Listen very carefully. You, you should wash your hands. You should not be in public gatherings. I get that. But, but now is not the time to isolate. Now is not the time to, to focus on self-preservation. Now is the opportunity to live for Christ. To care for those around you. Let me ask you, what can you do to serve Christ and your neighbor in these scary times? It might look different for me than it looks like for you. But what can you do to serve Christ in these scary times? To live is Christ. And then finally, to die is gain. Now, let me ask you another question. This will illustrate this perfectly. What's the worst thing that can happen to you here on earth? The worst thing that can happen to any of us is is for us to lose this life. And Paul, in a not-so-subtle way, he reminds us that that's not so bad. If you lose this life, you are rescued into an eternal kingdom without pain, without fear. You have nothing but gain ahead of you. Here's what Psalm 3 reminds us of. That in times of trouble... We can be overwhelmed by fear. We can give in to the worry. We can bow before the anxiety. Or we can turn our attention to this God. This God who is our shield. This God who will sustain. To this God who saves. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond at this time in history? When everyone's full of fear. Will you turn to God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, it is, it's a privilege to be able to share your word through technology today, to be able to, to connect with people who are sitting maybe a few blocks away or maybe thousands of miles away. Regardless of where we are, though, your word is true. Regardless of what situation we faith, face Your character, it is unchanging. You 
were a shield for David. Father, we pray that you will be a shield for us. That you will protect us. That you will watch over us. That you will care for us. Father, you, you sustain David. You removed the anxiety that had, had just such potential of crippling him. And he was able to sleep on a, on a dusty old hill outside of his, his Jerusalem. Lord, we believe that you can sustain us. That the weightiness of your glory is enough. We pray that you would sustain us. And God, you were a God who saved Ultimately, you delivered David. God, we pray that you would deliver those who, who are dealing with the sickness of the coronavirus. But more than that, Father, I pray that you would deliver us who deal with the sickness of our souls called sin. That in your Son, Jesus, and His death and resurrection, you would, you would help us to receive this incredible cure that we would know that we'd been forgiven and that we would walk in faith and in forgiveness, that we would care more about others than ourselves and we would do it all for the glory and the majesty of Jesus Christ. God, you are a God who saves. We rejoice in that. You, O oh Lord, are our God. And we pray this all in Jesus' great name. Amen.